When you become a follower and lover of Jesus, is he distant? Perhaps he merely checks in with you from time to time via a minister's words during some special Sunday morning service. How does he draw near? How does he befriend you and guide you? How do we tap into his peace, his love, his patience? How close, how accessible is he really? The answer to these questions is, he moves in. He what? He moves in. His spirit actually takes up residence in you and in me. He indwells you because you have chosen to be his. As a result, you become a new person. Your essence is changed. Your eyes see differently. Your ears hear differently. Your mind perceives differently. Your heart loves differently. It's hard to imagine, but not hard to experience. Let's find out more about this amazing truth, this precious gift. Join Lance Tholander on this podcast of The Spirit, from exploring the divine, finding God's heart in words of wonder. With the purpose of building up the body of Christ through local discipleship, national partnerships, and international support of indigenous missionary activity, welcome to Hope Builders International. Friends, this is Lance Tholander back again to do the, our podcast on the Spirit. I'm here this morning with my friend Mark Haskins. Mark is a professor at the Darden Graduate School at the University of Virginia. He's also been on the board for Hope Builders for many years, and more importantly, he and his wife Leslie have been just most wonderful friends to Christy and I for the last many years. And Mark was instrumental in getting this book actually into print. So. Uh, I'm very happy to be able to launch into this chapter on the Spirit with you, Mark. So welcome to uh, Hope Builders in the podcast. Well, thanks, Lance. This is a privilege and a pleasure to be here and to be a part of this endeavor. And clearly there are just some wonderful nuggets, wonderful truths that we can explore. What's your experience with the Spirit in this subject, Mark, as you have been a Christian for many years and obviously no Christians for many different kinds? Well, the weird spirit for many years was, for me, just a topic, a conversation that I truthfully held at arm's length. It seemed like Mm -hmm. the spirit notion was you were very animated, emotional, in that sort of extreme end of the spectrum, And my reaction to that was always to hold it a little bit at arm's length. And the last several years I've come to learn that, boy, I lost a lot of the richness of my Christian walk in those early years by Mm -hmm. not realizing that what we're going to find here is that that spirit indwells me. And it's just not that the spirit is for me and with me and advocates for me and, and walks with me, but is in me. 
Wow, that was revolutionary for me to, to learn that. So yeah. uh, I'm hoping that'll be true for a lot of folks today. For me, in some ways, this might be the most important podcast we do. And why is that? Well, what's at the root of our relationship to Jesus has to be our relationship with the Spirit. And so for that reason, obviously, if, if it's true that we have an enemy, and I believe it is, he would do everything he could to confuse what it is that makes this faith really operational for us on a day-to-day basis. So, you know, concepts like the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, I mean, these kinds of things have just been fraught with misunderstanding and one side saying one thing and another side saying another thing. So that's really, for me, just a key part of, of the message that the Lord has worked into my life over these past 45 years. I've had opportunity to travel and meet Christians, meet in many different kinds of meetings and be with people who have the gifts and people who don't have the gifts, supposedly. And So it's it's really an important subject for me and, again, one I hope we can bring some clarity to for those who are listening. I want to just sort of make a statement for that's, that is helpful to me, and that is, Living in the Spirit and living fully aware of the Spirit is not about emotions. It's not about highs and lows. It's not about uh, special uh, manifestations of a close walk. It is a 24-7, 365 relational uh, walk. And and that's just so rich and so full of potential in our Christian life. I love how in the chapter, Lance, you start out with uh, the story of Nicodemus and Mm. Jesus' instruction to him about where this all begins. Yeah, it's so key. And so early on in his ministry, of course, we know the story of Nicodemus coming to him. He doesn't know how Jesus is doing what he's doing. I mean, it's a mystery how this carpenter, this you know, person born in poverty is doing what he's doing. And so uh, he says, you know, how do you, how are you doing this stuff? And Jesus immediately says to him, you know, unless one is born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now that's so key because the kingdom of God is the place where God is. That's where he lives. And if we want to be with him where he is and have him with us, then We've got to be born of the Spirit. You know, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. And there's no qualifiers here. If you want to be in that kingdom, you have to be born of that Spirit. So, you know, immediately our access to the kingdom where God lives and that we are to live in is connected to the Spirit. So John the Baptizer said, I'm, I'm baptizing in repentance. But the one that comes afterwards, Jesus, what's he going to do? He's going to baptize you. He's going to immerse you. He's going to place you into the Holy Spirit. So, again, there's no qualifiers there. That, If you encounter Jesus, that's what he's going to do. He's going to immerse you in that Spirit. So everybody who accepts Christ as their Savior is going to be immersed in the Spirit. Well, that's the way I read it. You know, it's so interesting for me. Mark, as a, I was the overseas director at a large missions organization for a, a long time, and I used to get letters, you know, before the day of email. And many of the groups we work with overseas are charismatic and spirit-filled, and you have to be, you know, in these cultures where 
evil spirits are present and operational. So uh, many of them are, and they would write to me and they would say, uh, we preached the gospel last week and 500 people came to Christ and 75 of them received the Holy Spirit. And I would just think, you know, I was obviously, they were very happy about the 75. Of course, I'm thinking, what about the other 400? You know, what happened to them? How did they receive the Lord Jesus if not in spirit? So that was always a disconnect for me right from the beginning, that how do we receive this Christ if not through the spirit? You know, in some sense, that that tees up the possibility, which would be totally false, that there's the second class Christians. Absolutely. And sure. that's not yeah. the way it is. Not, not at all. Um, you know, one of the things Paul wrote was that uh, by one spirit, we are all baptized. We are all immersed, placed into one body, whether we're Jews or Gentiles, whether we're slave or free. And I love this line, we have all been made to drink into one spirit or of one spirit. So you were designed, Mark, I was designed to drink of the spirit. I mean, that's part of the the way that God made us with the capability to know him and drink of him, which is opens the door for everybody. For everybody and in full richness and full glory and full power on that. You were saying something to me earlier about the fruits of the Spirit. Accessing, you know, we access the Father, it says, through one Spirit. So, would you, you care to go back there for a minute and just, how does that grip, grab you in terms of the Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit and having that access? Well, the fruits of the Spirit passage in the Bible was always a bit of a, of a if I allowed myself, a bit of a condemnation in the sense of if I looked at my life, I couldn't always say that I experienced joy and peace and uh, self-control and uh, magnanimous behavior. And so it kept saying, Mark, you've got to be able to work at and create these manifestations because they are the litmus test of your faith. Mm-hmm. Well, the key for me that just opened that up and the truthfulness of it is that it's the Spirit in me that bears these fruits in my life. And it's when I am in communion with and walking with and asking for the Spirit to bear the fruit in my life that those are only possible then. Mm-hmm. Not through my strength, not through my trying, not through my efforts. And so this notion of the Spirit being both a one-on-one personal relationship that I can access Christ and our Heavenly Father, but it's the Spirit also that is the outward manifestation to those around me, my wife, my kids, my friends, my family, my co-workers. That is a multidimensional experience of the Spirit that is uh, not dependent on my mood that day or my uh, positive feelings that day or my emotional high or low that day. It's a function of am I in tune with he who resides in me, mm. Jesus Christ in spirit. There, I'll never forget one of the first conversations I ever had with Mark. We were standing on the sidelines at a, uh, I think it was a lacrosse game that both of our sons were playing in, and uh, we got to talking about spiritual things. And Mark said something to me about um, 
this love story that he had been called into, how he was in love and pursuing this God of love and the bride. And, you know, it just kind of stopped me there. I mean, we're on the sidelines of a sports event. We're watching our boys get beat up or beating up other guys <laughs> with their lacrosse sticks. And here this Darden professor, uh, Dr. Haskins, is talking to me about this love affair that he's been drawn into with God. And uh, so what you're telling me is that love source is actually not in you, but that love is flowing out of the spirit who dwells in you, and he's calling you into that love affair. Yeah, And I get to experience it. I get to benefit from it. I get to be a vessel for Jesus loving somebody whom I'm in the presence of. And mm-hmm. it's it's at a higher plane than I could ever muster yeah. myself with my own strength and my own frailties and my own mm-hmm. weakness. Absolutely. Yeah. I love the, the, the opportunity. F- I want to take the opportunity, Lance, for you to just expand on a thought that came up just a little bit a while ago. And, mm-hmm. and for many years... I clearly knew that Jesus was, and our Heavenly Father was for me, mm-hmm. and I, I believe He loves us and mm-hmm. He walks with us. But it was maybe eight or seven, eight or nine years ago where it really did become a part of my understanding of what this Christian walk is. The John seventeen passage: mm-hmm. um, "I and them, and you and me." And all of a sudden the word, Jesus is with me, Jesus is for me, became, Jesus is in me. Yeah. Could you expand on that? I just think that yeah. is such a marvelous truth that we can blow right by that little two-letter word, in. Absolutely, yeah. And, and some of this goes to, I think, our difficulty in understanding life in the Spirit is because we relate to Jesus in the flesh, and we're often told, you know, how would Jesus do this or what would Jesus do in that situation? And we're, we're often drawn to the physical Jesus. Right. But was that Jesus' ultimate idea? Was that we would be drawn to him as the physical Jesus, as the Jesus who walked the earth? Um, I think we would all agree, no, there's got to be more than that. But it's hard sometimes to make that transition. So... Uh, Going to that that passage in John, it is amazing, where Jesus says, I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. So whoever this helper is, that's an always kind of deal. But then he says, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. You know him because he abides with you and will be in you. Wow. And then he says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So what's Jesus telling us there? This spirit of truth that the Father is going to send is somehow in the mystery of the Trinity, that spirit is going to be Jesus himself, and his ultimate goal is to be in you. Anyway, this idea that Jesus would be in us has always been... The plan from, um, you know, the words that you were talking about in John 17, the glory which you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one. Just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity so the world may know that you sent me. And here we're going to run into love again and love them 
even as you have loved me. So here's <laughs> this miraculous, marvelous idea. And, you know, frankly, did the apostles get it? Did the disciples get it very well as he was talking to them about it? Probably not. <laughs> I don't think they did. I mean, up to the last, you know, Peter is, right. no, Lord, you know. They, of course, they didn't understand the cross and how Jesus was going to be released there, which we talked about last week. Uh, but, you know, even early on in his ministry, you know, the Lord was with the woman uh, at the well, and he was talking about this water that was going to well up from inside of her and become a living well that she would have with her wherever she was. And, of course, that's the beauty of the Spirit is that wherever we are, he's he's there. And but he was talking, and then and then he went to the feast, and he stood up and said, "If anyone comes to me and drinks of me, you know, this water will become a well." You know, so here's this notion. But then it says, "This he was speaking of the Spirit, which those who believed in him were to receive." How many? How many of them were going to receive the Spirit? All who believed. All who believe. I mean, this is as many as believed in him were to receive. But the Spirit could not yet be given. Why not? Well, it says Jesus was not yet glorified. So something had to happen where Jesus would be glorified so then this this Spirit could be given so that he could come live in us. Was this always part of God's plan? That there would be the indwelling... Spirit was this uh, Plan B in God's economy. That's such a great question, you know, because if you look back originally, what is God? Spirit. God is spirit, and you look into John one one. It says, um, "In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was toward God." Actually, it says, "And the Word was God." So, what was the Word? In eternity. Spirit. Spirit. So, and we know that the Word became flesh. So, here's Jesus. What is he originally? I mean, in his essence, the Father, Son, the Spirit, they're Spirit. They're comfortable being Spirit. They enjoy being Spirit. And yet he put on flesh. And But even from the beginning, you know, Jesus is about to go to the cross. And what's he say to his Father? So beautiful to me. He says, Father, glorify me now with the glory that I had with you before the world ever was. Yeah. Well, what kind of glory, where did that glorious experience happen? It happened in spirit. And so for us as physical human beings, I mean, I know, you know me, Mark, I, I'm a physical person. You right. know, I like, I'm visually oriented. I like food. I like physical act things. I mean, I'm oriented towards this world because I'm a physical human being, but God, what came first, spirit or physical? Spirit. Spirit. What we see was made out of what we don't see. So the spirit is really the predominant world. So the idea that God would be bringing his spirit realm into the physical would be an upgrade. That would be a, an improvement, you know, and that's why one reason why Jesus said, "I need to go away, so that when I come back, you'll actually be do greater things, because then the Spirit will be released." 
and the 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 spirit world, and this is where my human mind can't really get around it, but mm-hmm. I've got to believe this to be true. In that spirit sense and in that spirit communion and spirit relationship, it will not be just as real as you and I are physically looking and exchanging, but even probably more real. Right. Because we will be in harmony with what we were designed to be and are. And so we can sort of think, oh, I'm going to go into this ether state. Well, it's going to be more real, more ripe with senses and sensories and connections than we can even imagine. I've got to believe that's true. It's so amazing because, you know, the word truth in the Bible, um, for me that's always a little hard. What is truth? You know, I mean, truth can be kind of nebulous. That word truth can also be translated as reality. Mm. So, you know, I am the way, Jesus said, I am the reality. And, and the spirit is, can be called the spirit of reality. So, you know, when you see a sunset, when you see a horse, you know, I saw once I was in Africa and I, I saw elephants stampeding across a huge field. You know, it took me a while to realize what they were. I mean, things that stir your heart, you know, you... Um, we've been on the lake many times right. with you, and the stunning beauty of the lake and the quiet and all of that pictures reality. You know, and even John says all that came into being came in through this word. So when we see when we see the things we love here, really, that's a reflection of a reality that is more fully, totally going to be ours. Uh, Right. Somehow there's going to be a combination. These two things are going to merge together in reality, and I'm, I'm with you there 100%. Yeah, it's, yeah. These, it's a foretaste that we have now. I love how, uh, as you get into the, the midst of this chapter, the image that came to my mind, you talk about it was always Jesus' intention to make the realm of the spiritual accessible to those who would believe in us believe in him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is the conduit. He is, and the image that came to my mind was Jacob's ladder. He is that ladder yeah. that takes us into the Father's presence. Yeah. Takes us into the, in your words later on in another chapter, the heavenlies. It's a transcendent sort of highway yeah. to riches and experiences that we just can't even imagine and whatever we could in our feeble mind visualize life in the presence of the father being like it's got to be exponentially multi-millions times richer than that because that's the purpose is to transport us into the presence of the father that's right and let's talk a little bit about how that transition takes place because this is so beautifully pictured i think uh, in the in the gospel and in John seventeen eighteen nineteen twenty, what you see going on there, because um, okay, God is spirit, and He makes a man. And what is the man that He makes in the garden? It says God created man, and He became a living soul. So you've got God who's spirit, but you've got man who is soul in a physical body. But if God wants to give those riches of the spiritual realm to man, how's he going to do that? In the garden, there was provision. 
right? There was a tree there. It was called the tree of life. And we've talked about that life before, but that was God's provision for man to actually take in the spirit life of God. Of course, he chose not to do that. And one of the bad results of that was we became totally earthly. We lost our connection to that spiritual realm. So then Jesus shows up. God is in him. So he's he's the... He's the real deal. He's he's got God in him. He's got the perfect physical body. But his desire is to give himself away. And we see that. We see him saying that, especially to his disciples near the end. I need to go away so that I can come again and take you to be with me where I am. So, But here's the story that, that I love so much to talk about. So Jesus ultimately goes to the cross. He's killed. He's entombed uh, it's a dark hour it's, it's a dark dark hour so those who love him Mary in particular and some of the women come to the tomb and the stone is gone the stone is now we know that somehow what's happening here is connected to Jesus being glorified because he just said father glorify me so we know that what's happening here is going to be connected to that so and what's the ultimate goal? Well, is it just to forgive our sins? I mean, is that ultimately? Nope. I mean, that's sort of what, you know, what's what's the story of the Christian life? Well, you're bad. Jesus died for you. You get your sins forgiven. And someday, you get to go to heaven. Your ticket is punched to heaven. <laughs> your ticket is punched. And in the meantime, like you lived for so long, and I did too, you know, you kind of do the best you can. You know, but is that really how the story plays out? Um, Thankfully, no. Yeah. At this strategic point in the conversation, we're going to interrupt this edition of the podcast and invite you to join us again on the next edition when we'll go into detail about how this transaction takes place, how the Lord Jesus becomes the life-giving spirit and puts that wonderful life of his right into us. So join us again on the next version of Exploring the Divine, Finding God's Heart in Words of Wonder. Thank you for listening to Hope Builders International. Discover ways that you can join us with building up the body of Christ by visiting our website at hope-builders.org.